Inside your program, you'll find an outline of our Bible study this morning. And I want to talk with you about the welcoming church. The welcoming church. You know, during the uh, years I've been able to serve as a minister, I've got to uh, visit and preach at a lot of different churches. Churches of all size. Small churches, medium size, and large churches. And, and I always find it a blessing. Last week, uh, there was a, a lady here who uh, told me, she said, you know, years ago you held a meeting down in Garland and uh, we had a youth meeting afterwards and you came out to my house and uh, gave a devotional for the youth. Do you remember that? I hate to say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad you remember it, but I seem like I've forgotten that. But it was, a, you know, a blessing to be able to be with people uh, and be in churches and be with uh, small groups and large groups and be able to serve our Lord that way. There are a lot of churches of Christ in the United States. Uh, there are more churches of Christ in Texas than there are any other states. Uh, in Texas, there are 2,231 churches of Christ. In the state of Tennessee, which is second, there's 1,465 churches of Christ. And in uh, Alabama, which is third, there are 869 churches of Christ. And of course, churches uh, are of all sizes. Now, the national average is that half of the churches in America are 75 and above, and half of the churches in America are 75 and below. And that's kind of the medium area right there. And that is also true in churches of Christ. Half of them are above 75, half of them are below 75. Well, how is it that, that churches grow? And uh, usually people go to a church where they feel welcomed. Well, what exactly does it mean to feel welcomed? If you've got your Bible, flip back with me. There's a little story back in the book of Judges, chapter 20 and 21, when there's a man and his uh, secondary wife, who was a concubine, went to the city of Geboa, and uh, when they got there, they wanted to stay the night, but there were few or no motels or inns, and so people would usually camp out. And so this man and his wife camped out in the local park. Beginning in verse 20 of Judges 19, it says that an old man came to him and says, You are welcome to stay with me, the old man said. I will give you anything you might need. But whatever you do, don't spend the night in the square. Now, the reason was that the square was kind of like Elwood Park. And it was a place you didn't want to hang out. So he invited the man home with him. So he took him home with him and fed the donkeys. And they washed their feet and ate and they drank together. That's welcoming. That's uh, bringing a person in and sharing your home with them, your food with them, and even being able to wash their feet so that they could relax and enjoy their life. My uh, son Rick and his wife Darla, uh, not long after they were married, they moved to Albuquerque. And uh, when they went over there, of course, one of the things they wanted to do was to find a church. And there was a, a large church that they had heard about. The uh, preacher was a friend of mine. So the first Sunday they're there, they go to church. They said nobody spoke to them. Well, they thought maybe that's something unusual. So the next week they went again. Nobody spoke to them again. So they said, you know, 
let's kind of look around a little bit. And they found another church and people made them feel welcome. Now, where do you think they ended up? In the church where they felt welcome. And that's uh, true with most people. Let me tell you, number one, that Jesus surprised people sometimes by the people He welcomed. The people that He reached out to and brought in and made them feel at home. Over in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, the Bible says that Jesus was at a well, and there was a woman of Samaria, and Jesus said to her, Can I have a drink? And she was surprised. She said, Well, the Jews don't have anything to do with the Samaritans. And when the uh, disciples came back from buying food, they saw Jesus talking with a woman, and they were surprised, because usually a man wouldn't talk with a woman. And this was a woman that... Uh, had been through five marriages and now was shacked up with a man who wasn't even her husband. And here was Jesus talking with her and telling her that He was the Messiah. Now, secondly, over in John chapter 8, there's another story of a woman who was brought to Jesus, and she'd been caught in the act of adultery. Now, these men were not really wanting justice, because the law said that a man and woman are both to be dealt with if they are caught in the act of adultery. But they excused the man and just brought the woman. And Jesus knew their hearts. And He said to them this, Let the one of you who has no sin cast the first stone. And there were no stones thrown on that day. And Jesus then said to the woman, Lady, go and sin no more. Get out of this life of sin. And here was Jesus opening His heart to a, a woman who had been caught in a bad situation. Over in Matthew chapter 9, verse 11, we find that Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. Now, the tax collectors were Roman employees who would collect money from the Jews. And, and boy, the Jews hated them for that. And also those who were sinners. Now, the sinners were those people who were Jews, but they did not follow the law. They just ignored the law of God, and as the such, they were labeled as sinners. Now, here's what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 9, verse 11, out of the reading of the, the New Living Translation. Why does your master eat with such scum? Yikes! But you know what Jesus did? Jesus even chose one of these to be one of His twelve. Matthew or Levi was one of the twelve apostles, and he was looked upon as somebody who was pretty scummy by ordinary people. Then over in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, there's a woman that uh, comes to Jesus, and she begins to anoint Him with oil. And it's a very expensive oil. And some of them say... Well, if he was really a prophet, he would know that this is an immoral woman and they, he wouldn't let her touch him. Jesus said this, the account over in Mark 14, 9, Jesus said, I want to tell you something, fellas. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, they're going to hear about this woman and what it is she has done. As Jesus welcomed a woman that others did not welcome. And then also, over in Matthew 19, 13, and 14, Jesus welcomed children. The Bible says, He said, Let the little children come unto Me and don't stop them. Ah, Jesus welcomes little children. And I tell you, we ought to do the same. 
We ought to make it so that children feel at home and welcome, and they're going to be able to know our wonderful Savior. It was in April of 1996 that we lost one of the uh, best humorous writers uh, in the country, and that is a lady by the name of Irma Bombeck. And when I read this about children, I uh, thought of this little article that Irma wrote. She says, In church the other Sunday, I was intent on a small child who was turning around smiling at everyone. He wasn't gurgling, spitting, humming, kicking, tearing the hymnals, or rummaging through his mother's handbook. He was just smiling. Finally, his mother jerked him about and in a stage whisper that could be heard in a little theater off Broadway said, Stop that grinning, you're in church! With that, she gave him a belt, and as the tears rolled down his cheeks, she said, That's better, and returned to her prayers. We sing, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, while our faces reflect the sadness of one who has just buried a rich aunt who left everything to her pregnant hamster. We chant, If I have not charity, I am becoming like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Translated in the parking lot, that means, And the same to you, fella. Suddenly I was angry. It occurred to me that the entire world is in tears, and if you're not, you better get with it. I wanted to grab this child with a tear-stained face close to me and tell him about my God, the happy God, the smiling God, the God who had to have a sense of humor to have created the likes of us. I wanted to tell him that he is understanding. He is one who understands little children. He understands children who pick their nose in church because they are bored. He understands the man in the parking lot who reads the comics while his wife is attending church. He even understands my shallow prayers that implore, If you can't make me thin, then make my friends look fat. I wanted to tell him I've taken my lumps and my time for daring to smile at religion. By tradition, one wears faith with the solemnity of a mourner, the gravity of a mask of a tragedy, and the dedication of a rotary badge. What a fool, I thought. Here's a woman sitting next to the only light left in our civilization. The only hope, our only miracle, our only promise of infinity. If she couldn't smile in church, where would he go to smile? Jesus welcomed the little children. And he loved them and he wanted them around him. And he told his disciples, listen, don't you stop them from coming to me. He welcomed And we ought to be welcoming children as well. Sometimes children cry in church. Somebody asked me, does that bother you? Not in the least. I am glad to see them there and to hear them. Number two, the Bible has uh, a lot to say about a lot of different kind of people that we ought to be open to. Uh, for example, the aged. Check this verse out, Leviticus 19.32. Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Ah, now, if you're one of the uh, older folks, do people honor you? The Bible says they should. And then if you'll follow on the next two verses in Leviticus 19, 33 and 34, he talks about foreigners. And listen to what he said. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Now, if we have somebody come in who is undoubtedly a foreigner, not United States citizen and born, how are they treated here? They ought to be treated well, the Lord says. And what about the poor? Somebody comes in and they're not dressed very well. 
How do you react? Here's what James said over in James chapter 2. He said, don't show favoritism. Don't judge people by the way they are dressed. I was uh, going to school out at uh, Fuller Seminary in California, and I uh, saw an incident that uh, really touched me. I had gone to a church there, and in came a young man. He had on flip-flops and shorts and a T-shirt. Most everybody else was dressed in a lot different way. And uh, a fellow walked up to him who was one of the ushers, and he was a fellow who was just dressed exquisitely. He was just dressed to a T. It looked nice, and people thought, you'll take care of that guy. And he tapped the young man on the shoulder and said, young man, follow me. And he walked down the aisle. The church was pretty full. And he came up on the front aisle, and he sat down, and he told the young man, sit down here with me. And the two of them sat there, and they listened to the preacher. I thought, how wonderful that uh, he didn't let the way he was dressed interfere with the way that he was going to react to him and what he was going to do for him. Number four, also we ought to be concerned and interested in people who disagree with us on matters of opinion. Over in the book of Romans 14, verse 1, out of the translation called The Message, it reads this way, Welcome with open arm fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. Somebody doesn't see things the way you do and you know they do. I didn't mean they're not welcome here at the church. Everybody doesn't agree on everything, but we ought to welcome those even if they have a little different view about certain things on matters of opinion that we do. Number five, let me tell you this. We ought to be welcoming to people who evidently have lived sinful lives. Now, that includes all of us because we are all sinners. But I wanted to tell you about one young man. There was a couple who had met at AA. Now you may not think that's not the best place to meet your potential husband or wife, but that's where they met. And not long after they met, the guy got into trouble with drugs and alcohol and was sent to prison. But the lady liked him and she began corresponding with him. In fact, she began sending him a Bible correspondence course. Now while he was in prison, he did something that you may find just unbelievable. Because of his uh, experience on drugs, he reached into his eye and he pulled out his own eyeball and squashed it. Now, he had to wear a patch over his eye. But she continued to, the girl did, continued to uh, uh, correspond with him. And when he got out of jail, he came to uh, Amarillo where the girl was. And they began to go to each other, and he began coming to church. And I was able to uh, study with him, and he obeyed the gospel and became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, I mean he was just on fire for the Lord. He was wanting to serve, and uh, just a, a great young man. I was going over in western Oklahoma to talk in a youth rally, and <clears throat> I uh, asked the people, I said, would it be okay if I brought a fellow with me? They said, Sure. So I asked him, I said, Tommy, would you like to go with me and give your story to the youth? He said, well, Dick, I'm not a preacher. I said, you don't have to preach. You just tell him your story. And uh, when he got up to speak and he had that patch in his eye, I tell you, he had the kid's attention right off. 
And uh, he just did a wonderful job of telling his story and relating how getting involved in drugs and all is, is not the thing to be involved in. And it reminded me of a story over in 1 Samuel 16 where Samuel had been instructed by God to anoint a new king over Israel. Saul had been rotten and disobeyed God. God had gotten rid of him. So now it's time for a new king. And he said, I want you to go down to the house of Jesse. And when you get there, one of his boys is going to be the king and I want you to anoint him. Well, Samuel got down to the house of Jesse, and the first boy that came out's name was Eliab. He was the oldest, tall, good-looking, well-built. And when Samuel saw him, he said, boy, that is the one. That surely is going to be the one God wants for the king. But God said to Samuel, Samuel, nix it. He's not the one. And over in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, he said this, People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And you and I need to remember that. When somebody comes in and they may not be dressed the way that you think somebody ought to dress to go to church, may not look like somebody that's one of our people, realize this, that God has called us to reach out to people who are sinful, people who've lived sinful lives, because we are all sinners as well. Well, if we're going to be a welcoming church, then, that we've got to be one that is aware of and concerned about many kinds of people. Well, number three, let me ask this question, and that is, what makes a welcoming church? I want to tell you two things. Number one, somebody who can realize that the Lord's presence here is real. If you got your Bible, check this verse, if you will, with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 25. Now, the subject Paul has been dealing with is what's going on within the confines of the worship service of the church. Now, he says, we've got a problem and we've got a bunch of people wanting to talk in tongues. And he said, and if somebody comes in and they see all this confusion, they're going to say, these guys are nutty. Uh, what's going on here? and would leave. But he said, you know, if you come in and the Word of God is taught and people hear about the Lord and hear about the things that are going on there, then they'll say this, surely the Lord is in that place and is there with them. Hmm. I wonder, has anybody said that recently when they've come in to visit? You know, the Lord is really in this place. God wanted us to come together as a family, and, and this is not a social gathering. This is a gathering where we have come together as the family of God to worship our Lord so that He becomes most important in our lives. And God wants us to be people who live that way. And I wonder, how long has it been since somebody has come in and said, you know, God is really among you. The Lord is really in this place. John Clayton is noted for books that he's written about faith in God. But he had an eight-year-old daughter who died of a communicable disease. And so he wrote a book on death and dying. And in it he told a story about a, uh, 
his daughter when she was four years old. He said he was tucking her into bed, and uh, like children do, she had all kinds of excuses. Dad, may I have a drink of water? Uh, I, I need something to eat. Uh, will you read me a story? And, and you know, and, and all the excuses, and finally he got through all of that, and they had prayer, and he said, good night, dear, and he left and he walked down the hall where his study was and uh, opened up his computer and began working. And he said he didn't just sense somebody was in the room with him and he turned around and there was his four-year-old daughter. He said, honey, is something wrong? And she said, no, daddy. She said, I just wanted to be near you. You know, that's what God wants. God wants to be near us. And that's why we come together as, as the family of God. And that is the presence of the Lord needs to be very real as we come together to worship. And I want you to be aware of the Lord's presence. And I want you to be one who is encouraging others to know that the Lord is present in this place. Well, number two, the second way that we can make people really feel welcomed is if we have an attitude like Barnabas. Now, you may remember that in the Bible, that Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. That is, as the apostles saw him, they said, boy, this guy is an encourager. And, and everybody around him feels the uh, efforts of his reaching out to them and encouraging them. And you know, that's the kind of attitude God wants us to have. I want you to listen to this verse about Barnabas, Acts eleven twenty four, And he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Ah, that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be people who are encouragers and full of the Spirit. And it being very evident that we are people who are dedicated to God and we're reaching out to help other people come to the Lord. That's what we're here for. That's what God wants this church to do. That's what He wants you and me to do. That's what we're to be involved in. Good people, full of the Spirit, and bringing other people into the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if there's somebody who has come this morning and is not a Christian, and you reached out to them, you made them feel welcome. You made a real effort to uh, visit with them and talk with them and let them know how great you are, how great it is that they have come to be with us today. And as a result of, of your reaching out to that person and acting that way, that they decided, you know, the Lord is really in this place. And these people are truly worshiping God, and I want to be a part of this family. And they obeyed the gospel and they became Christians. Wouldn't that be great? But wouldn't it be terrible if there's somebody who came today with a hungry heart and they were really wanting to seek the Lord and you just passed them up. You were just too busy to reach out to them. You were one that had your friends that you wanted to talk to and, and you couldn't be too busy involved with somebody else who you didn't know. And as a result of your coldness and not showing any interest in them, that they left and said, you know, the Lord's not in this place. 
Those people, all they care about is themselves, and they're not interested in somebody who may be interested in following and knowing our Lord. You see, I wonder what it's going to be today. Would it be something great, or would it be something terrible? I hope and pray that as people see us, they see us as a welcoming church, as one who reaches out and who is open to their being here with us and encourage them in every way possible. Let's pray together. Holy Father, I'll help you pray that you'll help us understand what it means to be a welcoming church. And dear God, may we be that kind of a body. Dear God, we know that there are lots of things that that we can't do, but Lord, all of us can be welcomers. We can be those who look, dear God, for those that we do not know and reach out to them, dear God, so that they can become a part of your family as well. We love you, Lord, and we're so thankful that you love us. And dear God, may we serve you in a way that's going to cause your kingdom to grow all over the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.